You're listening to audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit centurybaptist.org or download the Century Baptist Church app. Thanks for being here. Just the chance for us to come together. Uh, if you're watching online, you, you are welcome here with us today. If you're watching on TV, uh, good job because you know you had to flip channels. We got bumped today for some reason. We're on MeTV, so some guy's at home right now. He's like, honey, I always thought the skipper wore a blue polo shirt. Uh, uh, that's a Gilligan's Island reference for the, for the younger generation. Um, uh, glad that we could be together. Hey, uh, we all know this. We uh, talk about this all the time. Following Jesus, a life of Jesus, is a great adventure. It's supposed to be. If it's not, then I hope that today's text that we read will help you to understand that. At the same time, a little bit of today's text is going to also be about kind of the at times, the uncomfortable side of following Jesus. Yet at the same time, still we are to understand that it is a great adventure. When you look and read the lives, the lives of the disciples, their ministry after Jesus leaves them and he, he empowers them with the Holy Spirit, they go on this incredible adventure, this journey of taking the message of the gospel around the world. And some days it's absolutely amazing. They're preaching and people are coming to Christ and people are being healed. And then there are other days that it doesn't go so well. I think of the Apostle Paul as he goes out and he's just on fire to spread the gospel. And and he goes out and he's shipwrecked and he almost drowns and and he swims to shore. He's like, I don't know why this is happening, God. I'm trying to do your work and here I am and I almost drown. And he finally makes it to shore and he's laying there on the shore and can barely breathe. And then he gets attacked by snakes. And you're like, what part about this is, is any joy at all? But somehow, Paul says, he gets up and he survives and he takes the gospel out and more lives are changed and he's thrown in prison and while he's in prison, lives are changed and he said, I wouldn't trade this for anything. He said, this is the, this is the greatest, to watch what God is doing. And even in my suffering, he says, I'm connecting uh, and understanding what it is that Christ went through. That even though what I go through doesn't even compare to what it is that he went through, but even if I have to suffer a bit, it's a small taste of me getting to be like Jesus. And that's what being a disciple is all about. Um, uh, Last fall, as I was uh, away for a bit, I was on my sabbatical, I had to go to some meetings in Chicago that we had for our conference. And uh, at the kind of the, the last minute, Things changed, and, and I stayed home for a little bit longer uh, to take part in some, some family stuff that we had. Uh, my daughter had, like, some, some music stuff, and so I decided I'm just going to cancel my flight. I'll drive. I got time off. I'm on sabbatical. I got a lot of books I got to listen to. I would love to drive. So I take off. Now, much like uh, most of you, you've got uh, apps on your phone that are GPS apps, Apple Maps or, or Google Maps, that you turn on as you're traveling somewhere so that you know where to go. Uh, I use an app, it's called Waze. I don't know if any of you use this. I do it because I'm just kind of off like that a little bit. And it's a fun one. It's, it's actually, uh, it's all social integration. So it's, it's not just, a, 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 you know, some satellites that are up there, but they're working together with, with all of us that are using the app. And we're all communicating with each other to say, hey, there's a tire on the road or, or maybe, you know, there's road construction ahead or there's a lot of traffic. And then as you drive by, it says, somebody reported there's a tire on the road. Is it still there? And you say yes. May, those of you who are not using it, you're like, this doesn't sound safe, right? 
And, but uh, but it's, there's a lot of communication. And the cool part about it for me, because I'm wired this way, is that the more you use it and the more you interact with it, the more points you get. Now, I don't, I don't think there's a prize, but, but it's really nice when you get to pass a lot of people and it tells you, like, you're like 490th in the world. I'm like, yeah, finally, I'm making it, right? And, but, but so I use, this is the app that I use. Uh, so I'm going to Chicago, and I'm about 90 miles uh, north of the city, and I had left Bismarck uh, in the afternoon, and I just thought, man, I'm just going to press it. I'm all by myself. I'm just going to go hard. I'm going to get there. I'll crash a little bit, wake up the next morning, go to my meetings, and uh, I'll be, you know, happy, whatever. Um, about 90 miles north of, of Chicago, uh, Waze tells me, uh, take this exit. Okay, so you do, because you trust your GPS. And so I, I take it, and I, I'm driving, and I, I was like, okay, this, it doesn't feel right, uh, but I'm going to take it. And by the time I realized what I had done, it was already too late. I realized what I had done when I, had, I saw a sign that said, like, Milwaukee, 20 miles or whatever. And it's getting late into the night, and my eyes are getting heavy. And I'm like, well, to turn back now and go back to the interstate, I'm just going to keep following this. Because it says that it has my end destination uh, for me. And uh, what happened is for the next four hours... Uh, I, I was in and out of every small town USA, 25 miles an hour, and then Windy Road with a maximum speed of about 40, and I am dying. Like, I, I can barely stay awake, and I'm just pressing on because I need to get there, and I realized what I had done. I had been to some meetings a couple months earlier because that's the only time that I use this app is when I'm in bigger cities, uh, and what I had done is I had set my preferences to avoid all toll roads, to avoid all traffic. And to avoid construction. And so Waze was like, look, weirdo, this is the best I can do for you. And I, I just trusted it. And I went with it because I needed uh, to get there. Uh, I didn't pay attention uh, when I started the journey to make sure that, that I, would, I would get there on time and, and at a reasonable hour and be well rested. Uh, I should have checked it before I left. Peter had declared that he believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He didn't fully understand what it meant. He, I believe that you are the anointed one. I believe that you're the promised one of the scriptures that God would send to redeem all of mankind. But what we know up to this point as we've been studying the life of Jesus and his followers is that they still have a belief that Jesus as the Messiah meant that he was going to be an earthly king that he was going to establish a kingdom that would destroy the Roman government and all of the oppression that they had. And the disciples really believed that they were going to be somebodies in the king's royal court. Uh, Jesus hadn't fully revealed to them. He had slowly been sharing with them uh, what it meant. And then he went on to, to tell just his small circle of disciples, look, there's a day coming very quickly. We're going to start a journey to Jerusalem. And when we get there, I will be arrested and innocently uh, tried, I will, but I will be found guilty, I will be uh, beaten, and I'll be flogged, and I'll be abused, I'll be hung on a cross, and I will die, but I will rise again. And as we looked at last week, Peter got upset with Jesus, scolded him, said, you, you better ask God for forgiveness for the words that just came out of your mouth. And Jesus says, you know what, Peter, uh, get behind me. I, I, I can't do this. Follow me, right? You need to follow me. I don't follow you. You don't get to say how things work. You stay behind me. 
And it leads us then to today's text that if we were to read the same telling of this uh, instance, this conversation Jesus has with the disciples, Mark chapter 8 says that Jesus then went outside of his circle. He called his disciples to himself, but also the crowd around. And he shares with them what it truly means to be one of his followers, what it means to be uh, a disciple, a committed disciple of Jesus. We find it in Matthew 16. Uh, I want to read for you verses 24 through 28. And so uh, if you are willing, able, let's stand together as I read this. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. Uh, you have given me words uh, to say, uh, and I, I just pray and I ask that, that the power of your Holy Spirit would work through me uh, to say what needs to be said uh, clearly for us to understand and know what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. So we accept your word, uh, we accept what you're going to do in our hearts, and we ask that you would move in a mighty way. God, you are good. We love your word. Amen. You could have a seat. <clears throat> one, of the, um, one of the verses that we speak a lot uh, here at Century, understanding that we're all called to be disciples of Jesus Christ, and a verse that I've really taken to heart, I would say one of my life verses, 1 John 2.6, that if anybody claims to live in him, that means if anybody claims that they are a, a disciple of Jesus... You have to walk as Jesus walked. It's, again, it's why we're taking so much time to, to study the book of Matthew. We want to walk. We want to walk how Jesus walked. We want to live how Jesus lived. We want to be like Jesus. It's what we are called to do in following him. That is the discipleship. And the call of a disciple is, uh, comes at, at, at the call of Christ to us. Follow me. It means get behind me and, and walk in step with me. Do what I do. Take my words and apply them to your heart. Live and love like I do. It's a decision then that we make that will I follow? John 6.44, Jesus says that nobody can come to the Father unless the Father draws him. And that word draw uh, is it, it actually means a pulling. It, the idea behind it is like the casting of a net uh, out into the waters and pulling the fish in. That's what God does for us. He desires that none should perish, wants to have a relationship for us. He does the calling, but we have to decide if we're going to submit. Are, are we going to fight it? Are we just going to just keep swimming, right, and try to fight it, or are we going to allow ourselves to be drawn in, if we're going to follow Jesus, says we, 
we have to understand a few things. If we're going to go on this journey, if we're going to walk like Jesus, if we're going to get on his heels, Jesus says, you have to understand what that means for you. And, and the start of that journey, uh, it really means you've got to check your preferences. Are you willing? Are you willing uh, to do what it takes? The first thing that he says is that if anybody wants to come after me, let him deny himself. In other words, you've got to say farewell uh, to the old way of living. You've got to say farewell to the old selfish life. If you want to come after me, if you desire to follow me, because nobody drifts. Nobody accidentally finds themselves in a relationship with Jesus. It's a decision that has to be made, that I want to follow you. And Jesus says, but you have to deny yourself. That's where it begins. It is the most important decision that you make in making the most important decision to follow Christ is saying goodbye to the love, the relationship, the deep loving relationship that we have with fulfilling our own self-desires. The word deny means just that. It means to, to disassociate with, to disown. It doesn't mean this idea, it doesn't mean that you have to hate yourself, right? Like the more I just look poorly upon myself and I make myself like try to just feel terrible, then that makes me a good, that's not what it means at all. It means that we understand that, that our natural self as we're born into this world with a sinful nature has a, a, a constant desire to pursue whatever it takes to make ourselves feel good, uh, to make ourselves happy in this world the way that the world says it's supposed to be, to, to do whatever it takes to, to just be comfortable, and that's all that matters. What it means is that we have to break off a relationship with the self that says, I am the top priority in this world. Everything I do revolves around how it's going to impact and affect me. And Jesus says, we have got to let that, you have to disown yourself. I've heard it described too as, you've got to obliterate yourself as the dominant principle in life. The old man has to be put to rest and left behind if we're going to pursue the new life in Jesus. One of the highlights when I was a kid, uh, the greatest... Uh, so my, my mom, uh, lovely lady, I love her, uh, and, and, but uh, she was always looking out for us, right? That's what moms do. And so having a pop in our house was pretty special when we were kids, right? Soda, if, if you're not from here or whatever. Uh, and so when we got to have it, it was a pretty big deal. Now, if you grew up in Bismarck uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, and you were a kid, the, like the, the dominant uh, gas station convenience store in Bismarck was the general store. Remember those? They were everywhere. And in, the, in this back room in the general store was another store. It was called the Pop Shop. Uh, anybody remember this? There's just a few. Wow. All right. Here's the deal. And I'm going to tell you, and somebody's going to go out and I'm going to start this business. Here's what happened. It was just a, a massive stacks of cases of just, uh, I guess I was a kid. So as a kid, I would think it was, there were millions of flavors, right, that, that, uh, that were out there. And so when we got to go to the pop shop, uh, you would go, and what you had to do is you had to take your, your bring your case 
of empty glass bottles, and then you'd exchange it, and then they would give you, they had value to them when you exchange it because you got to fill a new case. And so my sister and I got to run around and fight over, you know, uh, what flavors were going to go in this case. And it was, just thinking about it, I'm, I'm so happy right now. Uh, and, um, but, but the thing is, is that, is that those empty bottles uh, sitting, you know, in a storage room or in a closet at home, uh, really, I mean, they had no value. I mean, on the bottle it said, you know, if you took it to Michigan, you get a nickel, right? Uh, and, but but they, they, were of, there was, they were of no good. But when brought in exchange for, for what you got out of it, they had, they had value. Uh, and, and that's exactly what happens when, when we follow Christ and we say, look, uh, I understand that, that my life without Christ is, does not have the value. We're still precious in the Lord's sight, and He desires that none should perish. But the life that we could live with Jesus is so much better than a life that is empty and without Him. But in order to get that life, we have got to take the empty life and we've got to exchange it for that which is full and good. And that Jesus says you can't, you can't, you can't have both. You can't pursue me and follow me while you're pursuing the things of this world, the passions and desires and the things of this world. It doesn't mean that these things are terrible and that we're not supposed to have stuff, that we're supposed to be broke and paupers. That's not what he means. He says, but your focus and your allegiance has to be on me. And whatever comes your way in life, what may be good or what you may see as bad, it's all good because... Because you're following after me. Pursue me. Acts 20.24, the Apostle Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing unless it's used to finish the race that's set before me. When I compare a life without Christ to with Christ, I, I see a life without Christ as, as what's the point? I, I want a I joy-filled life and passionately pursue Him. A disciple of Jesus Christ focuses their life on becoming more and more like Jesus every day. If we want to see what true self-denial looks like, we, we look to Jesus in, I think Philippians 2 is such a beautiful passage. But Philippians 2.6 says that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He didn't hold on to it. But it said He made Himself uh, the, 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 the servant took on the very nature of a servant, and he left the glory of heaven to come down to this earth to fulfill the Father's plan of him sacrificing his life up to redeem all of us, to rescue us from our sins. He didn't consider equality with God as his goal, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. Prior to our our life change, our regeneration in and through Christ, the aim of our lives, we know, is it's the elevation of self. And because sin is still active in our life, because the enemy is still at work, even though we may be following after Christ, there's still, isn't there? There's always the pull and the tug to, to just get a little bit more of of that elevated life of people applauding us or having more stuff that we think is going to actually fulfill us or at least make us look good to the people around us. We do oftentimes whatever it takes to try to get that, to be number one. 
everything for our own good pleasure or happiness and our own self-fulfillment. But Ephesians 4.22 says, In the old self, the former way of living is corrupt through selfish and evil desires, but the new self is about righteousness and holiness. That's what we're called to pursue. To deny oneself is to give all of your allegiance to that. God, mold me and shape me into the image of Christ. That's what I want to pursue, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes and submit to it. Jesus gives some application on how we can make that happen in verse 25. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake is going to find it. Whoever tries to save his own life, in other words, to just to be the one that figures out and pursues whatever it's going to take to fulfill the dreams of what we think our life is supposed to be like, he says, actually, it's, it's futile. You're going to lose that life. You could gain everything in this world, as he'll say later, and still lose your soul. If we ignore self-sacrifice, is what he means by saving your life, you'll most definitely miss out on the good life that God has for you. Salvation not available to you, but if you lose your life. In other words, if you let that all go, God, I don't want to pursue, I don't desire to pursue self or sin for my own sake anymore. If you let that go and disassociate yourself from it, you will find true life, life abundant that Jesus promises us. But it has to start with the decision that if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to stop following our sinful hearts, our own sinful passions. We've got to let it go and just say, all right, Jesus, I'm all in. Whatever it is that you have for me. And then he tells us what to pack for the journey. When it comes to packing for trips, I am the worst example that anybody should ever follow in all that I do. My luggage is always overweight. Uh, and, it's, and no matter how many days I'm going for, it's because I, I sit there and, well, one, I was a youth pastor for like 20 years, and so the free T-shirts are, I mean, endless in my house. I actually have to sit down and, and, and like have some conversations with shirts. Here's why you're not coming on this trip, buddy, because I need this one. And then, and then I ask my wife, hey, where's that shirt? That, and, and she's like, well, Hannah and I hid it because it's clear now. We can see through it, and no one should see that in public. Right? So, but I just keep grabbing. And then she's like, why are you taking your, your gym shoes as if? I'm like, well, I'm hopeful. Right? You never know. Right? I, you don't even use them here. Like, I know. I, who knows? I could be out. I could be in the inner city. And they go, hey, we need a fifth for some basketball. Come on. You look like you play. I don't know. Uh, but anyhow, I, I overpack because uh, I think that I'm going to need everything uh, while I'm on this trip. And Jesus says, really, you don't need to overpack at all. The only thing that you need for this journey, he says, is that you pick up your cross. You need to deny yourself, get rid of the old man, and, and you need to take up your cross to follow me. To understand this, we, the first time Jesus mentions this, which um, could be a, a little bit confusing to the disciples as they heard it, pick up my cross. But it's back in chapter 10, verse 38, and, and, and Jesus actually says to his followers, if anybody um, loves his father or mother more than me, can't follow me. 
but you've got to pick up your cross. It's, it's, again, it's just a reminder that you can't have a love greater than your love for me, or it is going to hold you back. And so, so you've got to let that go. And, and even though that might be a burden to you, that, that you might be ostracized by your family because of me, that you might be persecuted because of me. You might suffer for my sake. Jesus says, it'll be worth it. I need you to let everything else go. And the only thing that you need to carry is your cross. Now at this point, just to understand this, at this point, the disciples would not have understood this being about Jesus. Peter doesn't accept that Jesus is going to, to go to Jerusalem. He's going to die. They didn't have this picture in their mind. The only picture they had was of uh, the worst of convicted thieves and this cruel form of punishment that the Romans had uh, of, of not only putting somebody to death on a cross, but it was the process of getting there that was also the punishment. It, it was the strapping of this large piece of timber on the shoulders and then you get marched through the city to where the crucifixion is going to take place. And so in doing so... Uh, as the people watched you, there was embarrassment and shame. And, and, and it was a struggle because of the weight. It wasn't designed just to kill somebody, but it was designed also uh, to change, really, to kill their soul. We know from Christ's walk to Golgotha, He carried His own cross. It was the final submissive act uh, that he made in life to accept what was in store for him. And, and that's, that was the whole point of crucifixion. It was this idea of you've broken the law, you've gone against what we've told you to do, and so to guarantee that you end your life fully submissive to our authority, we're going to make sure that the whole city sees it and that you accept it. And so here is your cross to bear, and you will march with it, and it will take you to your death. What Jesus is calling his disciples too, is a full submission to the highest authority over our lives that, that we would follow his plan, whatever it is. It's not saying that all of a sudden that if you start following Jesus, it's just going to be painful and miserable and nothing but a struggle. No, it's not that. There may be, Jesus says, that you're actually going to face trials and struggles and persecution and situations because you follow me. But it's going to be okay because I, I am leading you uh, to somewhere greater. You are in a process of continually dying to self and submitting to what it is that God has for you. It's really an acceptance of the death sentence to our personal ambitions and our personal goals that, that elevate self. And we're willing to say, I'm willing to, to become nothing for Christ to be made known and for Him to grow greater into my life. Whatever the future has for us. Carrying a cross, yeah, obviously. Uh, uncomfortable to say the least. I can't find anywhere in Scripture that says following Jesus is all, you know, bells and whistles and flowers and days. It's great all the time. There are going to be struggles. Jesus promises that. In this world, you will have troubles. Which some people might go, well, then why would I want to follow Jesus? It's because of, of what we get. Because following Jesus, even with, 
with struggles and trials that come because of Christ, they're rewarded. And it's so much better than an empty life without Him. I would rather struggle for Jesus and with Jesus and have His peace with me and the joy of participating in His suffering than to suffer in this world without Him. Terrifying. It'd be, it's miserable. We join in Him and He says, I promise you, it will be an incredible adventure. Yeah, there's going to be some stuff along the way. You might have some shipwrecks. Not everybody's life is going to be the same. Not everybody's struggles, not everybody's weight that they're going to bear is going to be at the same level. But it's the same God that's in control of it. It's what binds us together as the body of Christ. And we're willing to accept it if this is what it's going to take. But I get you, Jesus, I'll take uh, whatever comes my way. But every day as we bear our cross... It's an idea of a death march to the old self. It's a reminder. This is not who I am. I'm following Christ. And so whatever, whatever happens, happens. Now, we, we like to throw that term around a lot, right? We like to throw the cliche of it's my cross to bear, right? I've only got an above ground pool, not in the ground. It's my cross to bear, right? It doesn't count, right? That, that's not it. What, what Jesus is talking about is what is it that you go through for his namesake. What is it, what is it that, that, that really we see as trials and struggles because of following, because we're making his name great? Some people may face persecution. People in the world today martyrdom, but they're willing to do it for the sake of Christ. This is what he's called me to do. This is the cross that, I, that I've been called to bear to make his name known. To the world. We look back then at, at uh, Jesus' words, verse 26, as he gives us again more application. So, what does it mean to, to take up my cross? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And you could flip it the other way. In other words, in order, in order for your soul to be saved, you've got to, you've got to let go of the things of this world. It doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean that it's evil and it's wrong and we're horrible people because we, we've got, we, we drive a car, you've got money in your bank account, that, that you're a CEO, that you're a, a somebody. It doesn't mean that at all. What it means is that if your pursuit is solely for this world, then there is no next world for you. Because what you're doing, if you're trying to build your own little kingdom in heaven on earth, then Jesus says, then you're never going to see the glory of heaven in eternity. I've read that Jesus' call in our lives is not for one of spending our days with the sole focus on making our lives as easy as possible and as prosperous as we can be with all of that as the sole end result. But the call that He makes on our lives is one of holiness and to be productive in the kingdom. And in doing that, in that pursuit, there are going to be bumps along the way. We all know that the more focus and effort we make on making ourselves bigger, right? Having more for the sake of just having more as we can show it off to the world only results in more and more unhappiness because it's not fulfilling. So we have a choice. Do, do we want to 
accept the, the, the guaranteed misery and suffering uh, uh, that, we, uh, that we gain from achieving everything in the world but gaining nothing, and we understand that pain, or are willing to take whatever comes our way as we get to pursue Jesus, the King uh, of the universe. I'll take Him every day. What does James say? He says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials, struggles of any kind. Because with the testing of your faith, it develops perseverance, and perseverance has to finish its work so that you can be complete. Do you know what that says? That says in order for you to fully be the disciple that Jesus has called you to be, in order for God to do the work in you, to make you the person that He wants you to be, to get you to the point that He wants to get you to, is that you have to face some struggle. And, and some of the struggle will be the pain of just having to let go of stuff. But some of the struggle might be people letting go of you. But we just say, I'll take it. If what I gain is the best, I'll consider it. I won't even complain. I'll consider it joy. Because the, the, the struggle that we go through goes, God, you must be doing something. You keep your eyes on the prize. You must have something great in mind for what I have to go through today. Whatever it is. If you're going through it for the sake of Jesus, uh, for what it is that you're doing and trying to live for Him, and there's that pressure and that struggle that comes from that, that is bearing your cross. I'll take it. If it means that I could be more like Jesus, that I could, as Paul says, experience uh, the sharing of his sufferings. We don't need everything in this world to go on this journey with Jesus, but we do need to pack up our cross. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, which I would say if you don't have a copy, you should have one and read it over and over again. He says, to endure the cross is not a tragedy. It is the suffering which is the fruit of an exclusive allegiance to Jesus Christ, and only a person fully committed in discipleship can experience the meaning of bearing their cross. Jesus' cross-bearing did not begin that Friday morning when he made the journey to Golgotha. Jesus' cross-bearing began when he left the glory of heaven to come down to this earth, and knowing full well of what it would what would happen to him. But he was willing to do it to rescue each and every one of us. The disciples, cross-bearing, did not begin when, when they faced persecution uh, long after Christ's resurrection as they were preaching the gospel. The disciples, cross-bearing, began when they were in their boats and Jesus said, follow me. And they had to let go, drop their nets, their security, the, the, the thing that they trusted that was going to provide for them, and they had to walk out into the unknown, fully trusting that whatever was in store for them was better than what they could have done for themselves. What does your cross-bearing look like? What is it that, that you go through each and every day because you follow Jesus? Accept it with joy and, and see it as a blessing a way to grow into your relationship with Him. And then Jesus says, follow me. Or in other words, if we're going on a journey with Him. Um, we gotta, we got to start. we got to go. We say farewell to the old man. We 
we pack up our cross, and then we just follow. Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. The role of a disciple, to walk with intent. You're taking me somewhere. You're getting me somewhere. It's a decision that we enter into each and every day. We get one life. And, and Jesus says, what shall a man give in return for his soul? In other words, he's saying, if you've pursued self your entire life, if that, and that, that, that's all you're going to get, and you only get one life. You don't get another shot at it. It can't be lived again. Life is lost or gained in who we choose to follow, Jesus or self. And Jesus says in John 8, 31, if you continue living into my word, in other words, if you continue living the life that I've asked you to live, he says, you are truly a follower of mine. Obedience is what it takes. So follow me. Be obedient. Be like me. And then he concludes this with verse 28. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Now, if we kind of just leave it up to our own understanding, well, a lot of people interpret this as, as, well, this is about the second coming. This is about Christ after His resurrection, His ascension, and He comes back. But we know, because we're here, that the second coming hasn't taken place yet. So that's not what Jesus could have been saying to His disciples because they're not here. They, they, they've all tasted death before seeing His second coming. And so we have to say, so, so what is it? Where do we go to find out what this is? Well, I believe that you go back to when Jesus first, when we still first hear that term about the Son of Man. It was long before Jesus walked the earth. Daniel actually said it because he saw a vision. And we find it in Daniel chapter 7. It starts in verse 13. I'm going to read it to you. But Daniel has this vision that God gives him about the Messiah, about the Savior. And he says this, I saw in my night vision, I had a dream, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages would serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will never pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This was a prophecy about Christ. And so we say, so when did that take place? When was it that that he entered into the clouds of heaven, the Son of Man, and came before the ancient days or the Father? And he was given his kingdom and his dominion. For that, we go back to Philippians chapter 2, where Jesus became obedient to death on a cross. And his death led to his resurrection, which led to his ascension uh, to the Father. And it says in Philippians 2, and it was there that God exalted him to the highest place. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. It is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Daniel chapter 7. Christ's death, his resurrection, and his ascension, it cemented him in his role as king. Romans 1.4 tells us that. 
that he was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Because of his obedience, God exalted him to the highest place. So Jesus' words to the disciples, truly I say to you, you will not taste death until you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom was not about him coming and reigning over the earth in the disciples' day, but that they would see the resurrected Christ that would be uh, elevated, exalted, and seated on the throne where he sits today. Jesus on the throne. Not me and not you. This is a call on our lives today to just live a life of obedience, to passionately pursue Jesus. And we will do it no matter what comes our way. Because whatever comes our way is better if it comes from God than anything that could come from this world. We just have to accept His direction over our lives. And we need to make the decision that if we are going to follow Him, that all of our preferences are turned off. And we just say, whatever it is that you have for me on this journey, I'll go and I'll make disciples. Let's pray. God, we love Your Word. It is beautiful. It is, uh, uh, for, for many today, Father, maybe it, it, it's that, that balm that is uh, promised, that we just need, we need joy, we need peace, we need healing. I thank you for it. Father, for some it, today, it's a challenge to live into. Some, it's uncomfortable. For all of us, Father, I hope that your word is convicting to say, what is it, God, that you want me to, to be? What do you want to do in my life? And how can I submit to you? We just ask, Father, that whatever it is that we need to follow you and to follow into your plan, that we have received it today. And we just commit now that we will live it out. We love you. We love you, Jesus. We continue to proclaim you as king over our life. Amen.